Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. For those of you here for the first time, I've had the privilege to uh, grant it to me by the church to get away and get alone with God, and I have had an opportunity to read the entire 66 books of the Bible uh, with a giant magnifying glass. I was, even while I was home for a, a brief uh, few days, uh, Brother Chuck walked in my office and I was reading uh, the scripture and continuing the project that I was on. And of course, being Chuck Snyder and who he is, he put me down. He said I could use some hearing aids too, as well as uh, <laughs> better glasses. But um, I had a reason to read the Bible, not to just say I, I read it. I've done that several times, as probably several of you have. But I was looking for something. I wanted to so, show myself what I believe to be true, and that is from the book of Genesis to the book of the Revelations, you don't read very many verses until God reveals himself. He speaks to every generation. He, he says, I'm alive, I am here, I want you to hear this, I saw that, I observed that. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. That's all the way from the beginning of time. However, we live in a generation to where people today think we're in a blackout period. Jesus came, died on the cross, was buried. Three days later, he rose from the grave. Now he's sitting up there uh, by the Father in a rocking chair, and one day he's going to come back again. And he's not in this time. He's not anywhere around. And if I can just get in a place that's dark enough, he doesn't know what I'm doing. If I can just uh, keep people from hearing what I'm doing or seeing what I'm doing, God doesn't see it. Uh, and he is patient and he is waiting and he is not speaking audibly out of heaven as he did through many, many generations. And we come up with those cliches that are so popular today. I've been a long way away from God recently. My dear friend, I want you to know if you don't hear anything I say this morning, you have not been away from God one second in your life. Everything you ever thought and ever did, God was there all the time. Yes, you say, oh my goodness, I must have embarrassed him. Yes, you did. And I did too. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But in spite of that fact, God is patient. God is a God that loves us. His grace is sufficient. His blood cleanses from all sin. But he has a message. He has burned this message into my heart. And that is, don't let the people that hear you ever think for one moment that God is dead. He is alive. He is risen, as he said. And it is more than an Easter Sunday sermon. It is the one thing that makes our faith different from all other religions in the world. Jesus is alive. And in the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He is available to every one of us. You say, I don't understand the Bible. You just invite the Holy Spirit to get with you and you get somewhere and open up and say, speak to my heart, God, through this book and you will have called to your attention everything in this book that God wants you to hear. And he will explain it to you as only he can. And he will relate it to you and illustrate it to you by whatever you're going through in your life. And so today I come to you with a message that was actually, uh, the title of it 
comes from Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12 where the prophet Amos, uh, I mean Hosea, excuse me, did I say Amos is Hosea 10 and 12, Hosea 10, 12, where Hosea said, for it is time to seek the Lord. That's what he said, said to Israel. Israel, it is time to seek the Lord. You'd say, amen, amen. It's time for America to seek the Lord. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get America to seek the Lord, I better seek the Lord. And you better seek the Lord. And let's quit talking about those folks up there and over there and around here. And when's the last time that you sought the Lord? Let me take you back to the prophet Isaiah. 55th chapter, verses 6 through 9. The title of the message this morning, Is It Time? Is it time to seek the Lord? Now listen to what Isaiah says in the 55th chapter, verses 6 through 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he, capital H, he, God, will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he, capital H, will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and that M is capitalized. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts, your thoughts. As you look at that passage of, from Isaiah, seek the Lord while he may be found, let me ask you a question. Would that indicate to us there will come a time when he cannot be found? Did you hear what I said? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Well, I plan to seek him on my deathbed. No, wait a minute. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And then it says, call upon him while he is what? Near. See, now, in this very moment, every single one of us has an opportunity to call upon him and to seek him. And the Bible says, if you seek the Lord, you will find him if you seek with him with all of your heart. But our problem is... And Bill sort of alluded to this a moment ago. We are so caught up in getting everybody we know right with God, we have forsaken the living God in our own personal lives. Our priorities are not anywhere close to what God wants them to be most of the time. We have these spurts of revival. But I want to remind you that Isaiah, when he said that in the 55th chapter, he said something in the 53rd chapter that I bet you've heard. Now remember, this was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Bethlehem. Here's what he said. Isaiah 53, two chapters before 55. This is verses 5 and 6. But he, capital H, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. But God, or the Lord, has laid upon him, 
Jesus the iniquity of us all. You remember that prophecy? Does that make any sense to you? Who is he talking about? Who is he talking about? Well, obviously, this is a prophetic word from the Old Testament that Jesus is going to become flesh. He's going to reveal himself to those people for that very brief period of time, just a little over three decades. But their concentration of all of Isaiah, Hosea, Amos, and all of the prophets. And every time God spoke, now please hear what I'm fixing to tell you. When God spoke to the prophets, the concentration of what he wanted his audience to be was his own people, the people of God, not the lost and dying world. Well, you know, you need to read this book. You need to hear this book. You better pay attention to what God's saying to you. God's word is written to God's kids primarily. And God has said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will do something. But the thing that I have forgotten many times, and I'm going to suggest that maybe you have forgotten it many times, <clears throat> is that I get so caught up in what's happening around me, I, I'm not spending enough time being still and knowing that he is God. And God is saying, John, Joe, Jill, Sally, Mary, whatever, I'm talking to you. I've got a plan for you. I'm talking to a lot of you. You were raised in Christian homes, just like I was. All your life, you had a chance to hear about the Lord. You went to church, went to vacation Bible school, summer camp, went to all those things. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, somebody led you astray and you've never come back. Oh, you've come back, you, you know, but you still think like the world, you act like the world, you like what the world likes, you talk about what the world talks about. But as far as having a brokenness and a desire to see the world come to Christ, it's just not there. The book of Hosea, in that 10th chapter, listen to what he says to God's people, Israel. First verse, Israel is an empty vine. He brings forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he has increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they've made goodly images. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty? He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. For now they shall say, we have no king because we feared not the Lord. Be careful, folks, about following spiritual leaders or political leaders or corporate leaders or any other kind of leader. Jesus is Lord. And while we get mad at each other about what political party are you in and what philosophy are you following, God is saying, listen, listen to me. I will guide your step. You quit trying to straighten up the other bunch and you be still and know that I am God and I will deal with you if you'll humble yourself and pray and seek my face. So in that 12th verse of that 10th chapter, <clears throat> after giving some very strong words, Hosea says, for in the 12th verse, 
for it is time to seek the Lord. My statement to you this morning is it is time to seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. We have just had a conference at Sagemont that I came home to be uh, a recipient of because I thought it that important in my personal life and more than a thousand of you joined me every night. And you remember as that conference opened up and it progressed, we learned that in the, all of history, the book of the Revelation, the last book in the Bible, says there'll be seven different church ages, the ages of the church. There will be those seven times. We looked at each of the churches. And the last church that will come upon the earth before Jesus comes back again was the church that we find in the third chapter of the Revelation, verses 14 through 22. I want you to listen to these brief words. I want you to blot everything out of your mind that you have preconceived about anything, and please get your mind on this scripture, and let me read it to you. Revelations chapter 3, verse 14. This church at Laodicea is the last of the seven churches. It is the church that will be here when Jesus comes back to this earth again. Here's what it says, 14th verse, third chapter of Revelation. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now listen to this. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I would you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and you're neither cold nor hot, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, church, I'm rich. I'm increased with goods. I have need of nothing. And know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and that the shame of your nakedness not appear and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Now listen to this. Listen carefully. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Could I stop just a moment? Most people use that scripture saying that's an invitation for lost people to be saved. That is not the context of the passage. The passage is if the church will open its doors and be what a church ought to be, God will come into the church again, and we will be what God wants us to be. You go study it, would you? And listen to the good news. To him that overcomes, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that has an ear... Let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Church, do you hear it? Do you understand what a church is? Do you understand what the body of Christ is? 
Do you understand how we are a family? Do you understand we're all different with different spiritual gifts? But all of those spiritual gifts are to be brought together to help people that do not know God or have not heard about God <clears throat> can hear about him and know him and receive him and come with us and use their spiritual gifts to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You remember when Jesus spoke on the mountain? He said in the book of Matthew, verse 24, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now listen, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. All of these are the, just the beginning of the sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, believers, and will kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. And then Timothy picks it up, Paul does, when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also, listen to this. Listen to it, church. Listen to it, lukewarm church. Listen. This know also, in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I wish some of you would bring me a statistic that will show me that people that go to church and are members of church are living lives any different than those that don't go to church. I'd like to see one survey before I die that shows that. Because people make their way into church to get that little bit on Sunday morning. Just a little thought. Just make me feel good. And when I go away, I'll just have a good day till I get up from a nap. And I get back to my favorite TV show and pick up my novel and start my next rumor and gossip and so forth. Listen to me, church. I'm not fussing at you. I'm talking to myself. The Bible says God's people need to humble themselves and pray and seek his face. The Bible says the church needs to be, quit trying to please everybody that comes inside the doors and let Jesus be lifted up. And he said, if I lift them up, I'll call unto me whosoever will. And he's not concerned about the same things that we're concerned about. So my question is, is it time to seek the Lord. All through the Bible, 
It's a very simple formula. Real quick, don't take me long. Number one, 1 John 1, 9 is one example of many scriptures, but it's very simple. This is written to Christians. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to me, church. It starts with a confession on my part and your part that we've left our first love. We have compromised in order to be like the world instead of come out from the world and be separate and lift him up. And until you feel like, well, I may be bad, but I'm not as bad as the person sitting by me. God help us. You don't know what they did Friday night. I was with them. Of course, I was just with them. I didn't participate. I was just with them. But my goodness, you know, I, thank God I drove them home. The designated driver. First thing you got to do is confess. Second thing you have to do is repent. This is not found occasionally. This is all through the Bible. Every prophet, every apostle, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Confess the sin and then repent. Revelations 2, 5. Remember there, oh, by the way, this was a church that he spoke to on how to fall in love again. He said, you've left your first love. Listen to what he says. Second chapter, verse 5 of the Revelation. Remember, therefore, from whence you've fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. All through the Bible, except you repent, you perish. You confess it, then you repent of it. What is repent? Say, well, I, I confessed and repented. What did you turn from it? You haven't repented it until you've done an about face. The word repent is a military term of about face. I was going this way, and now I'm going this way. I have left this, and I'm going to do this. And that is the last, in the fifth verse, it says, do the first works. What were the first works? Let me ask a question. Why did Jesus come to this earth? To set an example, show us how to love our wives, how to treat our kids. No, no, no. No. He said, I came to seek and to save those which are lost. Jesus said it. Nobody said it. Nobody quoted him. He said it. I've come to seek and to save. Let me ask you something. Is the church doing that today? I'll challenge any one of you to look at the records of all the churches in the city of Houston and find and write down the names of how many churches in Houston, Texas are seeing people baptized on a regular basis. I challenge you to do that. In any denomination, including Southern Baptists, how many of them are seeing people born again and come to Jesus Christ? And all of them are trying to please the people that come in the door. All of them want everybody to like what they hear and what they see and Jesus is weeping because he said, I came to seek and to save those which are lost. And when we know at Sagemont that every single Sunday, and this is no exception, there are people here today and many that are watching on television, this is the first time you've ever watched, the first time you've ever been inside the doors of this church, and it may be the last time. We've got one shot at you. But what I want you to know is all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God loves sinners, and Jesus died for sinners, and he wants you to be saved. And he's willing to forgive you if you'll confess and repent and turn and follow him. That's simple. It's not a six weeks course. 
You don't have to go through the catechisms. You, you don't have to go to school and learn how do I become a follower of Jesus Christ. You acknowledge you're a sinner, and that's not hard to do. Confess it, turn from it, and follow him. And when you know that he's not far away, you can even be nearsighted. And you can know he is there. You know, the Bible says, as he is, so are we to be. So that passage in Luke 19 and 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those which are lost. We better remember that. We better remember Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things will be added to you. You say, oh, I just wished I could be happy. Oh, if I could, I'd give anything. I'd join your church and be baptized 16 times if I could be happy. It won't help you one iota. If you'll go out of here with Jesus in your heart, you can sing what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought because today Jesus came into my heart and he washed me as white as snow. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. It's what we call the Great Commission. Here's what the Lord's word says. This was his commission to the church. Go you therefore, teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And listen to this. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. <clears throat> you know when Jesus leaves the church? When people quit getting saved at the church. You know when Jesus comes back into the church? It's when people are getting saved. When somebody brings Jesus to the church and people hear about Jesus and they repent and turn, God shows up. And all these other things shall be added unto us. But we first have to seek God. Our priority as a church is to tell people who are lost that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that all can come. I got a good way of putting that. We're to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. How would that sound? We ought to try that. Be living proof. You, you followed Jesus' life. How long was he with anybody before he started talking to them how to have a personal relationship with him? How long did he sit with a woman in the well? Say, we have a nice women's ministry down at the church. We're having an eight-week study on such and such. If you'll come, you might get something out of it. He sat there and he talked to that lady while the disciples were over at McDonald's or somewhere. He was sitting there talking to that Samaritan woman. He knew everything about her, stuff she didn't know anybody knew. She'd been married five times. You're living out in adultery now, and I want to talk to you. And you know what happened. You know what happened. So in the remaining few moments that I have, if you've ever listened to me, I want you to listen to me right now. I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 22, if you have your Bible. Just turn to the 22nd chapter of the book of the Revelation. <clears throat> We're in the last chapter of the last book. In Revelations chapter 22. Revelations chapter 22. In the seventh verse, maybe red letter in your Bible, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. And then 
in the 12th verse, and behold, I come quickly. Again, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Now he lays it all out. Now let me take you back for a moment. The beloved John is on the Isle of Patmos, an island in the middle of the sea. He is in prison. He will be executed. He is writing the revelation, and God sends an angel for him to write the last words. And as our teacher taught us when he was here, and Jesus signed this book, the book of the Revelation. And he begins to speak, John does. There's water everywhere. When he talks about heaven, he says there'll be no more sea. He's seen all the water he wanted to see from that little island. Part of heaven would be no more of that. But listen to Revelation 22:16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things. Listen, in the churches. I'm the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And then some of the most profound words of the scripture. There's over 900 times the Bible, as it is in the form we have it in now, has invited lost people to confess, repent, and come to God. Over 900 times. Many of them, and whosoever will, and whosoever will, and whosoever will. That's already been laid out. John is finishing up the book, the last chapter of the book of the Revelation. I can see him sitting there in that cell, tired, writing in that dim light, wanting to make sure that he's penned what will be read through the centuries. And God gives him the last word to all of us that we find in the Scripture. It's God's last and final invitation to all people in all places. I want you to look at that 17th verse. And the Spirit, now let me stop. You notice it's capital letters. Why is it capital letters? Because it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit, say come. I'm, I'm skipping over the word the bride. I'll get there. The Holy Spirit says come. Your first invitation this morning is from God himself who said it's best. Jesus said, I've got to go back to heaven. I'm going to leave you a comforter. The Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit can speak to every person here right now and everybody watching and listening. Right now, he can speak to you. If you'll listen, if you have ever felt a, that there was a God and that you wanted to know that God and you wanted that God to know you and you wanted your sins forgiven, if you wanted your name written in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit invites whosoever will to come. In another place, it says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so that invitation comes from the Holy Spirit representing the triune deity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The deity through the Holy Spirit 
Jesus died for all people. God is not willing that any should perish, the Father, but that all should come to repentance. But it's the Holy Spirit that says, come. That's your first invitation. The second is the bride saying, come. Who is the bride? That's the church. The church is the bride of Christ. The church, the real church, not the first Baptist, second Baptist, sage my church, whatever, but the church, the body of Christ, all true believers that have been forgiven and have been set free want to see the world come and be set free. And the church invites whosoever will to come. Regardless of your past, you can be born again in a split second and old things pass away and all things became new, can become new, but it's your choice and yours alone. You can blame the church and the hypocrites and everything you want to blame. That will not hold one ounce of water to God. What fault do you find in Jesus? What fault do you, what fault do you find in the Holy Spirit? What fault do you find in God the Father? The Spirit and the bride say, come. Now listen. And let him that heareth come. You say, well, preacher, what about all those people that live over there and blah, 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 and everywhere? Wait, 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 let's, let's, let's not talk about them right now. Let's talk about you. Have I said enough this morning to let you know that God loves you and you're a sinner? Let's not worry about them right now. What about you? What's your excuse? Before you try to handle all the deep theological problems that you don't even know how to ask the question about, but if you heard the answer, you still wouldn't understand it, and I wouldn't either probably. But the point is, are you a sinner, and do you want to be saved? Did somebody have to teach you to be bad, or did you just come that way? <laughs> the Bible says very clearly, if you have ever heard, come, let him that is a thirst come, if you've ever wanted to be saved. Ever thought, oh, I wish I could be born again. Oh, I wish I could have a fresh start. Oh, I wish I could be forgiven of my sin. Oh, I wish I could have purpose for living. Oh, I wish I could have a peace that passes understanding. Oh, I wish I could have a God that supply all of my needs. Oh, I wish I had someone to lead me so I didn't make so many mistakes. Listen, this is invitation is to you. If you've ever thirsted for salvation, you're invited to come. I can see John looking up to the Father and saying, Father, sounds to me like you've covered it. You've said, the Spirit says come, the church says come. You've said if people have ever heard, they're invited to come. If people have ever wanted to know God and wanted to come, they're invited to come. Looks like we've covered it. And I can see our beloved God saying, John, wait a minute. You don't understand your audience. Some of them still don't get it. They still think they're not included. I want you to put one more sentence. Do you see it there? And whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. You know what happened at that moment? God put heaven and hell at the foot of every person and says, take your choice. Don't you go out and blaming so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, I had a mother, I had a friend, I had a dad, my first husband, my second wife, all that kind of Forget all that stuff. Every man will give an account of themselves to God. The question is, the invitation is there. You're going to accept it or you're going to reject it. The choice is yours. My prayer for you today is that you will accept it. Why do you think 
that the unpardonable sin is blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. There's only one unpardonable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Why is that an unpardonable sin? Because the only way you can get to Jesus is for the Holy Spirit to lead you to Jesus. And when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you have executed your guide. And then you're lost in the darkness. But Jesus is the light of the world. And the Holy Spirit is the guide. And when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ, hear me, church, the body of Christ has a priority and a responsibility to come in one with the Holy Spirit to bring people to Jesus Christ. We have many mission trips that we can take, folks, if God will provide the resources for us to send people. We have missionaries by the hundreds waiting to go to the uttermost part of the world to join the 5,000 that we have sent out to more than 140 countries of the world. They're waiting when the people at home will make it possible for them to go. When our offerings fall, when our offerings are low, it always affects, always affects in this church the outgo of the gospel because how can they hear unless they be, unless they, how can they go unless they be sent? And how can they hear unless the gospel is brought to them? So, the book closes. Everybody is invited. And he shuts the book. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Now the choice is up to you. The choice is up to you. If you're watching or listening, what are you going to do? To the doubter, to the faithless, to the intellectual rebellers, I close with the scripture. This is when the book closes. 22nd chapter, Revelations, verses 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And the last red letter in your red letter editions in that 20th verse of the 22nd chapter, surely I come quickly. And it's over. Do you understand what God's telling you? He tries to make it so clear a child can understand it. You sit there as a skeptic and you see a child baptized and you say, I don't think that little child knows what they're doing. Well, how old are you? Well, I'm 65. Were you old enough to know what you're doing? If you did, you'd be born again. It has to do with the spirit of God, you see? So don't go away from here trying to get you a, a theological catechism together that'll suit you. It's, it's written. And you don't add to. You say, well, I thank the Mormons and I thank the Muslims and I thank everybody. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoever takes from or adds to this book, there is no other holy books than the holy word of God. And that's the reason the world is scared to death of this book. In their spirit, they know it's true. And all of those others are religious books. But this 
is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God, and it's God's love letter to whosoever will. Now, why don't you today say, Devil, get out of my life. Devil, hit the road. I'm following Jesus. You hadn't done one thing for me, and you don't know anybody the devil ever did anything for. You never heard anybody pray at, at lunch. Dear, dear devil, I just thank you for being so sweet and so good to my family and my life. You never heard that one time, but the majority of the people have fallen the devil, and narrows the way that leads to eternal life. But the invitation's for everybody. You may be too busy, too caught up in something else, but don't blame the God that gave the invitation, whosoever will can come. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? As we close our service with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to do something just a little bit different this morning. Before we dismiss in just a few seconds now, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I've been listening, maybe you've been coming to Sagemont, maybe another church, maybe you've been watching on television, listening on the radio, but you feel that Holy Spirit convicting you that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and you want to be saved. But maybe something has been said today by the Holy Spirit to you, and you know, I just have to acknowledge I'm a sinner. I've got to confess it to God, quit making an excuse for it, turn from it, and receive him into my life and follow him. But you've never done that before. You could be a church member for 50 years, but you've never done that before. But you want to do it today. I'm going to close this service by leading in a prayer. And this prayer will be for one or several of you that'll stand right now and say, I want to settle it right now. I'm not sure that I've ever given my heart to Jesus, but I know God loves me and I know God sent his son to die for me. And I know that I'm invited to be saved and I know I'm a sinner and I'm ready to turn. I want you to stand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to ask you to move out of your place you're standing, but I want you to stand right now, wherever you are, in the balcony, downstairs here. I want you to just stand with me and let me lead in a prayer for you. Would you do that? Anywhere in the building, would you just stand and say, yes, that's right, sir. Just stand and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just stand right up. We wait just a few more moments for you to stand if you would like to pray with me right now. That prayer, God bless you, sir, and you, sir. God bless you, sir. I see four grown men standing right now. There are many of you. Just think about it just a second now. This is where the warfare goes on at a more convenient time. I have an urgency today. When I got up this morning, my wife went out to walk the dog. She came back and said, honey, there's eight, cars, eight police cars in front of our house, and there's a body laying in the highway with a sheet over it. That's the way my day started today. Nobody knows what the next second's going to bring. Anybody else want to stand? And I'm going to pray for you right where you are. All right? Let's pray. Dear God, you know those that are standing. You know those that ought to be that are not. You know the battle that's going on in the hearts, especially religious people. And I'm asking you, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to just speak now. As I lead these that are standing and some that ought to be that maybe just say, I'm going to pray sitting down. But would you hear their prayer, God? If their heart is pure, that they know they're a sinner and they've confessed it and they want to invite you in, would you bless them now? And for those of you that will pray with me, pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I confess my sin. 
I'm not worthy of salvation, but I know that you love me anyway. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And I want to turn from my wicked ways. And I want to start following you. So I give my heart to you. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven. I want to be saved. So dear God, you're welcome in my life. I'm coming to you. I kneel before you. I accept your gift. And I promise to walk in obedience to your command. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.